the blast from our past network. You didn't see the man come flying out of the sky from the clouds. It was him with his cape flapping in the... <laughs> his cape was flapping in the wind. He was flying. He was great. He was just flying around. Shh. The cape was blowing in the wind like this. Shh. Looked like a flag. Shh. And he landed right in the middle of this big plantation. Shh. Dun, 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 dun. Right? And he looked, checked everything out, right, with his x-ray vision before he did that. And then he put these laser beams out of his eyes onto everything. Dried up everything, just like that. I'm talking about dried it up like the machines that they have in the men's rooms. You know what I'm talking about? The hot air comes out and you put your hands under there and you dry them off. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. This week, we are covering the movie Superman 3. If you're a first-time listener to Talking Back, thanks for joining. We're happy to have you. We're very happy to have all of our returning listeners as well. But if you're new to the podcast, you know, we like to uh, we like to have fun on this show. We like to try to be informative. We try to foster an environment um, of those things. And also, Dean, quite frankly, we're um, sometimes a little bit judgy. But that's okay, right? <laughs> we're a little bit judgy. Well... You're uh, a little bit judgy. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's, that's, that's you. That's I'm, my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I accept everything with open arms and an open heart. Every movie, every that's comic, correct. every everything we do, um, I accept it with open arms. That's correct. I don't mean to be judgy, but oh, it, just, it's it fine. ends up happening. And yeah. as much as I don't like it, I have to do it. I don't know. Tim, you have a critical eye, which is a great thing to have. I don't, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Dean, welcome. Co-host hey, Dean hi, is here. thanks. Hey. I'm here too. You're here? I'm as, always here. As usual, you, you are always here. Yeah. Yeah, I, you, I, I, I love I, I'm always you. here. I Yeah, I always show up. Every time it's recording time, I show up. I want you to remember that next time you're trying to do one of these little Star Trek episodes that you do with your friends. I'm always here. I'm the one who's always showing up. Where are they? They're not here. They're not here. Where's this? Where's this coming from? Who's being judgy I don't now? Know. I want to get on those Star Trek episodes, Tim. I know, I'm never on those ones. You're not allowed. <laughs> I know I'm not allowed. You gave me a book to read to get on the on the podcast on the Star Trek podcast. I'm ready. Give me the quiz. I'm ready. You didn't read it, Dean. I read pages of it. I you read didn't some read pages the book. <laughs> Listen, we haven't done a Star Trek app in a, in a, a little bit, so um, yeah, I know. I, I got to get those guys back on, but. And me. It's nice that you want to be involved. It's nice. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you want to be involved. 
That's yeah. why I threw out Thanks. the franchise walkthrough for you to give you some Star Trek content. I know. I know. And wasn't Tim, wasn't I so good on those episodes? <laughs> yeah, you were really good. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. What's, it was just a preview of what it could be like if I was on one of the show what's episodes. What's the name of the USS Enterprise? What's the numerical what, what? name? Okay. Okay. I know I fucked this up before. <laughs> I um Okay. NCC-1701. Yeah, I think he got it. I think he got yes. it right there. I'm on. I'm in. Well, you're not in, but that would have been a terrible oh. thing to fail at. But Okay, hey. question number one, check. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you got that one. How many hairs on Captain Kirk's head? Oh, wow. Don't know that. That wasn't in the book, Tim. That was not in the study material. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, enough about Star Trek, Dean. Uh, we're here to talk Sorry. about Superman, Superman 3. Yeah. Wow. This, wow. This movie brought back some forgotten memories for me, dude. Yes. I am very excited to chat about this movie. Very excited. Oh, I'm glad. Like, more I'm so glad. than a normal week. Okay. More so than a normal week? More so than the other Superman movies, maybe? More so than the other Superman movies. Less so than the Revenge of the Sith episode. But right. higher than most of our other episodes. Not to say anything wow, cool. about those episodes that they weren't good. I'm talking about me right now and how I feel internally. Yeah. Okay? Hell yeah. You're just talking about excitement right now. I'm talking about pure excitement. Everybody get ready. I'm going okay. to be excited during this entire episode. I, I Actually, I don't think I'm going to be very judgy. And that might oh, come good. as a surprise okay. to you because I bet yeah. you think that this movie could be harshly judged. I do. Okay, so this is what I wanted to come in saying. I'll just say it off the top. I, so the I, I, the movie is very, um, uh, it's very fun. Um, it's also wild, but it is like so comic booky wild. You know, where like in a way that like it's not very, it's not like taking itself serious like some comic book movies try to do. It's it's like actually like a comic book. Like if I was reading Superman and I was just reading it for years, there would be a chunk of Superman comics that were just like this. That were just like, there'd be five, six, 12 in a row that are just weird like this. And I would love that. I would love to read that. I would love the change of pace. So I do watch this movie and I'm like, what the hell were they thinking? And what the hell is going on? But also, I think it could be a masterpiece. I just don't know about it. I just, so I want to find, if someone told me Superman 3 is a masterpiece and here's why. I have open ears to that and I'm ready to listen. So if you're coming to tell me that, I am pumped about that and ready for that. Uh, I'm not coming to tell you that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Just if someone could, if someone did have those reasons, I would be like, okay, yeah, I missed that. I must have missed that. I had a fucking great time with this movie, dude. Don't get me wrong. Hell yeah. But the word masterpiece is not crossing my lips. Yeah, but to to me it's just so weird that if someone told me it was, I'd be like, okay, I just that I just missed something. I must have missed something. Here, let me hear hear you out. I get you. I could definitely be convinced yeah. that this is a masterpiece. Okay, I, I don't think it's far off, but yeah, yeah, it's just it's really weird. It's so different from Superman one and two. It's so different. It's so different. This franchise, Dean, it really reminds me of the Jaws franchise. Ooh. First movie, great. Second movie, great. Third movie, is everyone on Coke? <laughs> Fourth movie, how did this get made? 
Wow. Oh, shit, man. That's that's it. No, that's, that's the same franchise right there. We haven't gotten to the fourth movie yet, but that's my recollection of the fourth movie is how did this get made? So it would be curious when we get there to see if that's uh, a real memory. I mean, I think it has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, so oh, okay. it's probably one of those how okay. did this get made movie. Um, that's incredible, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an incredible comparison. I love it. Never thought about it. Uh, absolutely love it. It's 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 one-to-one -one right there. It just struck me that, uh, today. Actually, to circle back yeah. to your comic book comment, uh, that's a very interesting comment because I was, I was thinking today about this film and the way that the sequences are shot and the way that the story is laid out for you it is very much like a comic book. I didn't, I didn't get to that point in my head. I was just yeah. thinking like, there's a lot of like short scenes, short, quick yeah. scenes. They're all very different. You're going to different places all the time, but there's no like long drawn out sequences in, in the movie. It's all like, like short hitters here and there, like here, there, yeah. this, that, this, that, this, that back and forth, go to this guy, go to that guy all over the place. So yeah, it really felt like a comic book. Yeah, it is either five or six TV episodes of Superman. Like, that's what it really feels like, yeah. mashed into one. Or five or six issues back-to-back -back of Superman, where just something different is happening, and then there's, like, kind of a background theme going on. But just, like, each one of them is just, this is different, this is different, this is different. Yep. Now, it was released in 1983 with a budget of $39 million. This movie grosses $80 million, so money doubled. Um, and they were very pleased with the return on this movie, but yeah. Superman one grossed 300 million Superman two grossed 200 million. So in that regard, this must've been looked at as a loss, like as not a success, right. but they, they thought it was a, a success. They saw the movie. So when they're like 80 million, they're like, hell yes, that could have been 2 million. We could have got out of that thing. <laughs> It's worth watching, though. I, I recommend this movie. I'll start off by saying I, I highly recommend watching this movie. Ton of fun. It is so much fun. Um, just to just to add a little note of how fun it is. My wife said it was the the first Superman movie she didn't fall asleep in. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, and she realizes the other ones are better, but this one's just fun. It it's just keeps different. you up. It's very very <laughs> yeah. different. Uh, director Richard Lester is back after his work on Superman two. Yeah. And after doing the music for Superman 2, Ken Thorne is back for number three. Cool. And Dean, the first movie that he ever did music for is a movie called Three on a Spree. Do you remember <laughs> what that's from? No, not at all. Three on a Spree was a 1961 movie adaptation of the Brewster's Millions novel. So we touched on that in our Brewster's Millions episode on Patreon. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, Tim. Three That's on a awesome. Cool. Yeah, there were a lot of adaptations of Brewster's oh, Millions. Like eight So I didn't remember nine? all of them. Yeah. No, that's okay. Now, cast-wise, they do a bit of a reshuffling of the cast in this one. Like, Christopher Reeve is back as Superman. Uh, Margot Kidder is back as Lois Lane, but she's only in a couple scenes. And yeah. it was because of her, like, negative comments about how richard donner was treated in the previous movie how he was fired right. as the director uh same reason gene hackman is not back he criticized okay. criticized them for doing that so we don't get gene hackman as lex luther my favorite parts of the first two movies obviously if he's gone miss tessmacher's gone of course tim my second favorite thing about those movies yeah that was sad 
but yeah. they comfort us by bringing Richard Pryor into the cast. Speaking of Brewster's Millions. Whoa, whoa. Hey, yeah. No kidding. We loved him there. Pretty good uh, replacement, I would think. Like, after after watching Brewster's Millions, I was like, wow, Richard Pryor is a real star, and I want to watch more Richard Pryor movies because I haven't seen many of them. So when I saw that he was in, like, I haven't seen this movie before, Tim, and when I saw that he was in the cast, I was like, hell yes, let's go. I'm excited. Um, he was on Johnny Carson and jokingly said he wanted to be in a Superman movie. He was not awesome. being serious. Uh, <laughs> the producers took him serious and offered him the role. And he only took it because they were paying him $5 million. That's the only wow. reason he did it. Wow. I'm not sure he's in a Superman movie still. I'm not sure he's in this movie. He's kind of in a different movie. Yeah, I don't think when he they know- go to him in the... Yeah, I would say I don't think he knows he's in a Superman movie. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly yeah. in this movie because we're watching yes. him. I don't think he knows what he's in. But you know what? Right. I can't stop watching him on screen in this movie. He's so of great. Course. He's great, yeah. Well, Dean, the movie starts off with him. He's playing a character called Gus Gorman. He's kind of down on his luck. His welfare Perfect. has been cut off. Yeah. And he sees a newspaper ad that catches his attention. It says, if you want to make big money, well, and of course he does, right? He's not, yeah. His welfare just got cut off. Of course. He needs big money. Who doesn't want to make, even if you're making like medium money, you still yeah. want to make big money. But of if you're course. making no money, like to step from no money to big money, that's a, that's a big leap. It's a, it's a big leap. Not a lot of people get the opportunity to go from no money to big money. So that's really true. <laughs> So this ad, Dean, it really catches his attention. Yeah. It says, if you want to make big money, become a computer programmer. Now, the rest of this opening sequence that goes on for quite a while is basically a comedy of errors going on one after another. Now, they, they really like lean into the slapstick humor with this intro. And I wanted to get your take on this. Considering what we saw in the first two movies, what are you thinking after this intro? It is, it's so, it's such a different tone. Like this, you would never see something like this in the first two movies. Like this is, you're right, it's comedy of errors. It's like a chain reaction of many, 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 many events to get somebody in a life-threatening situation. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it's a good way to set the tone for this movie because this movie's going to be a little bit goofy. At times I'm actually wondering if the movie's supposed to be a satire of a superhero movie. I don't think I it don't is. I don't think so. But like there's times when I'm like, wow, they're going real far with the goofball here. Um so this is a good setup to get you in the right mood. It starts out I, I love that it starts out with a guy checking out a woman. And like that's the first thing that like sets it in motion. He kind of trips and falls and then a bunch of things go and they just keep happening, keep happening until someone is in like a life-threatening situation of their car. (laughs) Tim, this is amazing. (laughs) Their car has knocked over a fire hydrant that is underneath their car and it's filling up their car with water and they can't get out of the car. So they are drowning inside the car and that is what superman has to like change into his uh his his costume his outfit and go save this guy from the car and i thought that was really cool um but yeah it it sets up that like oh 
people can just be in trouble because they're idiots. Like, because they just are stupid. Like, everybody in this opening scene is so stupid. They're doing something stupid. Uh, so it's an interesting setup. Yeah, it, it was all very stupid, but it was it was funny. Like It's funny. It was somehow it's like enjoyable. Three Stooges or something. Yeah, it was like Three Stooges stuff. Like, there's a, a, bl- a blind guy, like, starts to walk off course and ends up getting his hands on, like, um a, a street like lane painter you know it's where you draw like yeah. the white lines and he's doing circles yeah. because he's blind and then someone like falls down a hole and before he can walk in the hole he like walks on the walks on the guy's head instead and like right, doesn't yeah. fall in the hole yeah and then yeah eventually it gets to that guy in the car it's just very interesting i didn't mind it at all just like no, this I don't entire movie i didn't mind it at all yeah it's good energy it was, yeah. So we head to the Daily Planet. We see Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, and Perry White, who are all barely in the rest of this movie. And Clark convinces Perry to let him go back to Smallville to cover his high school reunion. He thinks that would be a great story. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. It sounds boring okay, to me, Clark. Tim. Yeah, that's yeah. what people want to read about. We see Richard Pryor's Gus Gorman is now at his new job as a computer programmer. That was easy. Yeah. No experience If you necessary. want big money, Tim, be a computer programmer. Just decide to do it. That's how you get the big money. Just do it. I'm sold. I'm doing yeah. it tomorrow. Yeah. I went to school for five years to do it, but yeah. apparently he can just do it. Yeah. It's very easy back in uh, 83. I mean, it is very easy. This movie makes computer programming look to be very, very easy. <laughs> now, unfortunately here, Dean... Gus Gorman is already trying to run a scam. He gets his first paycheck and a buddy of his is telling him that like ha- the half pennies that he, sh- that everybody should be getting paid. They just round those down. Yep. Right. They don't pay out the half penny. So he's like, well, where do all the half pennies go? So he wants to kind of collect those half pennies, uh, which is funny because office space did this exact same thing. Yeah, and they reference it. They reference Superman 3. So this is where, this is when this is happening in the movie, I pause it and I'm like, oh yeah. I was like, I forgot that in Office Space, they say, like Superman 3. Yeah, we'll do the thing that they do in Superman 3, <laughs> which just makes that so much funnier in Office Space that they're yeah. doing something that was in a movie. Yeah, um, yeah great. Yeah, I love, uh, I love how he hacks the computer to do this. Of he, course. He types in the command, override all security. Yeah. What? That's yeah. That's how you get past security. You just type in override it. Override. And then he's yeah. into the he's into the system. He's broken through the security barriers. He's through the firewall. He's he's through everything yeah. by typing override all security. Yeah. You know what computer programming is? It is not just writing English for the computer to do. <laughs> that's not what computer programming is. Yeah. So this we, is Tim. This was frustrating oh this is frustrating for you it was frustrating for me as a computer programmer i let it go after this because i was like okay whatever it's 80 83 it's fine um we'll just let this go but this is this is not how you do it this is not how it goes so i'm of two minds here yes i agree with you uh a yeah b (laughs) b b i didn't have access to a computer until like shit maybe 94 maybe yeah that's like my first 
opportunity right. to have a computer. We didn't have the internet. We just had a computer with CDs. Yeah. I don't know what computers were like in 83. Maybe yeah. this was the command that would override security. Maybe like no Tim. If you sit down at a computer <laughs> and you don't know anything about computers, you might not just type that command in. You probably need to know that command. Anyways, so yeah. like as the movie progresses, they do a lot of like very they do a lot of things that you just can't believe. They're so oh, yeah. unrealistic with these computers looking at it from modern times. But I think you have to consider looking at it through the lens of somebody in 83 who computers are very, very new to. I'm not saying that this is how it would like work, but yeah. I do believe people watching at 83 would be fooled and convinced that this is how computers work because nobody knows any better. Computers in 83, totally, yeah. very, very new thing. So I, th yeah. I think they're getting away with a lot of stuff here that just, it dates poorly. I, I wonder what this would have been like watching in 83 because yeah, you've got all point. the slapstick stuff. The computer stuff is all slapstick as well uh, as we're seeing it now. But back then, it must have been like this fascinating thing. Like people must have been thinking, this is like a sci-fi humor movie because yeah. all this computer stuff is, we don't understand it. And they're doing such, you know, like high high technology things in this movie. It's very strange. So uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I'll say that that's a yeah that's a really good point because like in 83 computers are so new you know they, they they are probably for most people just like whoa i heard about this thing the computer can you believe what it can do and in this movie they make it do everything that you could possibly imagine it could do so yeah it's it's looking back on it now it's slapstick comedy because it's like this is ridiculous this isn't how computers work but then yeah maybe like, maybe we have movies now with technology when in, like, 50 years they're going to be like, that was so stupid that they put that in a movie. That's not how that works. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like that thinking. Okay, yeah. I forgive it all. It's all forgiven. Tim, it's all gone. It's all forgiven. That's great, Dean. That's wonderful. I'm not even mad at all anymore. Yeah, I don't think you can be. I don't think you should be. It can't be. It can't be. So Clark heads back to his reunion, and he bumps into Lana Lang. Ooh. Played by the stunning I love Lana Lang. Like, Anato not just... Not just in this movie, but I love Lana Lang, the character. Like, in comic books, I love when she pops up. So, I was very excited. I mean, already when he was at the high school reunion and he just locked eyes with someone, I was just like, Lana! I just screamed. I was like, yes, Lana's in the movie. Let's go. Yeah, I love Lana. She's wonderful. Beautiful. She's great beautiful in, this, in movie. this movie. She's her and uh, Lois Lane are the only two females in the movie that are portrayed very well you know everyone the movie does not care about any other woman in this movie um but those two are i like those two uh yeah i don't know if i agree with that but we'll get there okay um now i i do suppose that clark is over lois here because he really is digging on on lana lang like you said they lock eyes yeah. they're like yeah they they kind of like have something going on they decide to have a dance together at the reunion and they mm -hmm. dance to earth angel. Oh, looks like back to the future, which would come I'm out in heaven, earth angel. <laughs> it looks like back to the future that would come out two years after this movie borrowed a little something, something from this movie. I didn't even, I didn't even think that this was before. Like, obviously it is, but I, that didn't even cross my mind. It was just like, Oh yeah. Just like back to the future. Cool. Yeah. No, just like Superman three. It just like Superman 3. So Superman 3 is the OG 
dance earth angel scene where all my great feelings come from. They should all be attributed to Superman 3. Not quite, because Not quite. <laughs> this song was used numerous times before this in okay. television, in television okay. shows. So okay. I couldn't find any of those scenes. I did go digging, trying to see if there was a television scene that had a dance with Earth Angel, which I couldn't find. But I assume any time this song was used, it was probably for a high school dance. Yeah. It was um, notably used on Happy Days. It must have okay. been a dance. It had to have uh, been totally. a dance. Had to have been. Uh, had I couldn't been. find it, though. I couldn't find anything. Uh, if you want me to like your movie, just put Earth Angel dance scene in it. Ooh, I was. It's a great start. I was. I was loving it. I was loving it right now. Yeah, great start to the movie. Um, yeah, so, so far in this movie, I'm having a great time. There's yep. no plot. There's no yep. villain. I don't know what's going on, but everything's really pleasant and enjoyable. Yeah, totally. And Tim, at this point, I'm just sitting there and thinking to myself, this is great. Yeah. I don't, I didn't really, I didn't really look in ahead of time what people thought of it, you know, what the general idea was of it, but I felt like it wasn't good. I felt like it like definitely goes down after one and two. So at this point I'm like, or does it go up? Like this is great so far. I'm loving it. Yeah. I may have influenced that. I'm pretty sure I falsely said in Superman one or two or both that the franchise really goes down from here. Yeah. I think that's because I forgot this movie. Uh, yeah. Rewatching it, I was flooded with memories from my childhood. I watched this a bunch in, in my childhood. This is an excellent movie. It's just yeah. different than the other two. It's just weird, but it's excellent. That's why I'm wondering if like my memory of number four is also wrong. But uh, right. I don't think so. I don't. No, I think, I think that I'm, one's... I think I'm okay yeah. with that one. I think that one is yeah. awful. I, don't, I haven't seen it, so I'll probably end up loving it. You know you know me, but... Well, um, I think we'll have yeah. fun. We'll have fun watching and reviewing it. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be, like, nearly as good as these first three. So Gus Gorman has hacked himself a fat $85,000 paycheck with the leftover pennies. And then we meet Mr. Webster, the owner of the company that Gus is working for. And his associate is letting him know that he's been robbed for $85,000. Yep. Mr. Webster thinks whoever it was is the future. <laughs> yeah. He thinks how he's right. Someone hacked me. Like, that's great. Let's yeah. let's work with this guy. Yeah. And I mean, right away, you'd have to say that you get bad guy vibes from this Webster guy because his oh, yeah. office looks like an evil villain layer. He's got a bond layer. He's, He's got, got a bond evil villain bond layer. Yeah. So anyways, Webster sees Gus pull up in a new Ferrari. <laughs> not hiding it. Gus is not hiding the fact that he just came into a bunch of money. Um Yeah, you know, Tim, you know what you do after you rob the company you work for of $85,000? You don't show up to work ever again. You leave. <laughs> yeah. He shows up the next day in a Ferrari. Right. Or if you show up, you definitely don't show up in a Ferrari. Bad call. It was a bad call. Yeah, it definitely was. So Webster calls Gus up to his evil lair, and Gus is very apologetic for stealing the money. Webster doesn't care about the money. He wants Gus to reprogram the government weather satellite Vulcan to no longer track weather, but to instead make bad weather. It's a weather machine, Tim. You know, 
you know how I feel about these tropes. <laughs> yep. When, when weather. <laughs> weather is going to get you. Yeah. You know how I feel about Superman fighting weather? Not a fan. Yeah. No. You know what? You know what isn't a villain we haven't heard of? Weather. We live with that villain. We live with it every day. <laughs> yeah. It, it it's already doing it. It's already doing. It's already attacking us. There's already tornadoes. There's it, already storms. It beats it's, us. It's already down doing on, it. It beats us down on a regular basis. Yeah, we get so it. So what? Yeah, great. You have a plan for to make weather bad. It already is bad. <laughs> Come up with a new plan. It's boring as all fuck. It's boring. Yeah, it annoys this was me. a big thing though. That many movies have like control the weather. And I know. That is how we will be. That's how we will take control of the planet. I wow. hate it. Uh, yeah, the wild. saving grace in this movie is it's not the big bad. Weather yeah. is just a small piece, kind of right here. So yeah, it's one of the, I get one very, of the episodes. <laughs> I get very yeah, I get very upset by it, and then I quickly yeah. get over it because they don't linger on it. Yeah, yeah. What what I what I think this movie's done like a actually a really good job up to this point is that um, Gus is like a computer genius. And he doesn't even really know how. Like, he's just like a protege. Like, the first scene where he's programming, they are like, someone asks a question of how to do something. And, like, the person teaching them is like, you can't do that. That's impossible to do. And Gus is just over there in the corner. And he's like, hey, I just did it. And he's like, I don't know how, but I did it. So that's why going forward in this movie, it's going to make sense that um, this, this Webster thinks Gus is a genius and wants him on his side because he is like, he is doing things that no one else can do. So it's not just that he typed in override and he was the only one who knew how to do that, but it's that somehow he can just communicate with these computers so that no one else can. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that. So Gus is sent to Smallville to hack the Vulcan satellite through a computer console in Smallville. And the reason is that, so it can't be tracked back to Webster. They're just like, what cities in the U.S. have computer consoles we can access and which one is in the middle of nowhere? And they're like, oh, here, Smallville. Okay, go there. Smallville, perfect. Go to Smallville. Now in Smallville, we see Clark and Lana go on a picnic with her son and their dog. They're hitting it off. It's all very pleasant. Mm -hmm. Then the son and the dog run off to play and the boy falls and hits his head on a stone. Right. Dean, do you remember this scene? Of course I remember this scene. Do you remember the camera shot of him injured? I do. Yeah, I do. Could you explain it to me? Um, He's lying with his head on a stone. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's que- sleeping a, on a stone. I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> did he trip on the stone? Ooh. Or did he happen to just trip and fall randomly and hit his head on the single stone in the field. I, yeah, what I was there? thinking that. I think what he happened? tripped and fell. So he tripped on nothing on the, he, and hit he his head on, on nothing. The, I don't know if he tripped on nothing, hit his head on the stone, or he tripped on the stone and somehow flipped around, hit his head on the stone and landed beside it. I don't know what's going on. Interesting, yeah. But listen. Maybe maybe he slipped on it like a banana peel and he yeah. like flew up in the air and flipped a couple of <laughs> times and landed directly on top of That's it. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand. All I know yeah. is that when I see uh, someone lying on the ground yeah. right beside a stone with their head cut, I don't know if they tripped over that stone. Yeah, you, I don't think you he tripped what, on the stone. I, mean? I think he just tripped into the stone. Because if he tripped stone, over the yeah. stone, you'd be past the yeah. stone, not lying right beside yeah. it. That's a good point, Tim. Maybe Tim. there were two stones. Hey, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we they just didn't show us. the. It's, it's in the middle of a wheat field, okay? 
Combines are coming. I'll tell you what's not in the middle of a wheat field, a giant stone. That's not there. But do you know how it's it's way in the middle of a wheat field? Like this kid is like two miles into this wheat field. Yeah. Like Superman, you're going to get to it, Tim, but Superman flies out to save him. And (laughs) Superman is flying at a high speed for a very long time. How far out did this kid get? Yeah, he went far. Hey, he went far and he, he tripped. He didn't trip one time before that. He tripped and landed on the only stone after he's been running for two miles. He's been running for 30 minutes and he tripped and cranked his head on a stone. Yeah. You you know what else you can't run through a wheat field, wheat field. (laughs) You can't run through a giant wheat field. It's just, it's all wheat. Maybe Lana's just a bad mom. She should have been watching her kid. He is two miles into a wheat field and she's having a picnic. It's fine. I just wanted to call out to that part of the movie. Oh, I thought it was Tim, a lot of fun. It's completely fine, but it is completely hilarious. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No, it's really bad. But I'm and not also fine. I'm not criticizing it. I'm not no. judging it. I, I'm not even I mad thought at it. it was ve- I'm not even mad at it. I thought it was very interesting, and I don't know yeah. what happened. Yeah, if I was to remake this movie, same thing. I'd do the same, same thing. thing. Same thing. Same thing. Because it gets across exactly what it needs to get across. It's perfect. It's a perfect scene. It's perfect. Yeah, I agree. It is perfect. Now, none of this matters, Dean. All it was was a nice setup for Superman to save the boy just before he's run over by a combine. That's all it's there for. It works. Yep. Perfect. Moving on. Gus gets into the computer console in Smallville and hacks the system. This is hilarious, Tim. Yeah, well, I'm going to let you go ahead and, and talk about this one because I'm not really going to get into the character of Brad very much in this episode. There's just too okay. many other amazing things to get into. But if you, if you want to chat about Brad, I will give you the chance right now to talk about Brad and this scene. Okay, I'll talk about the scene. Uh, we can skip over Brad. Any, everything that, that people need to know about Brad is just that he is great. Brad is <laughs> Brad is the character that you are supposed to hate, yeah. but for some reason, I love him. I want to hang out with Brad even though he's the worst person in Smallville. I like that take. They just they just portray him just just fantastic. So, what I love about this scene is that Gus, his plan, his whole plan to get control of this computer is to he brought alcohol to Brad to get him to drink till he passed out. And then he would go and do what he needed to on the computer. Can I stop you for but, one second? Yeah. Can I just set Brad up a little bit? Yes. Yes. He's like the high school, the popular high school football player. He was supposed to be really successful. He never yeah. left Smallville. He used to date Lana. Now he's the town drunk. He's drunk yeah. <laughs> at 10 o'clock in the morning. He's always yeah. drinking. He's still trying to hit on Lana. Nobody wants anything to do with this guy, but he just happens to work security at the place where this one computer console is at so gus gorman has an encounter with him so sorry to interrupt i'll let you continue no that's great yeah so he's so gus is trying to get brad to drink so much that he passes out but brad's like good at drinking so it takes him a really long time to pass out and you think that gus is just faking being drunk so that brad can get super drunk and passed out i thought that gus is actually getting drunk. So yeah. now, after Brad passes out, Gus has to do all this computer work and all this hacking, super loaded. And it is so funny. He fucks up so much stuff 
because he is just trying to hack drunk. And it is, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie, Tim. I just think it is so hilarious and so great. I agree. I think it's awesome because he goes there to hack the satellite. Yeah. But before he hacks the satellite, we see that he's somehow making ATMs give out more money than they should. We see (laughs) people... This doesn't make any sense chronologically, but we see people receiving checks in the mail for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Where's the we also timeline see them, continuity on that? There's some timeline continuity because it's happening exactly the same time he's doing it. People are getting checks. They're also getting, <laughs> Tim, Tim, they're also getting bills. Someone got a Bloomingdale bill for $200,000. <laughs> I didn't notice that. And a husband just... Pushed a grapefruit into his wife's face because he thought she spent two hundred thousand dollars at Bloomingdale. That's what that was about, hey. Oh, it's nice. So good. Yeah, it's he's very, very funny stuff. He's screwing with crosswalks. He's making all sides of the street cross at the same time to like make yeah. like traffic jams. He's hacked into the walk sign itself, and the "Don't Walk" graphic <laughs> crawls up top and starts fighting the walk graphic. That that's not possible. It's not possible. It's all very. <laughs> hey, actually, it is possible. Uh, Gus Gorman can make anything happen on a computer. He's a, he's a protege. It's very silly stuff. Yeah. But what I love is that I feel like he does all of those things because he's drunk. Oh, he, yeah. He, he wants to have trying fun. to do those things. No, I think he is trying to do them. I think he oh, sits down okay, to the okay. console and he's like, yeah. I need to hack the satellite. But before I do that, I'm going to fuck with a bunch of stuff. I think he's just having fun screwing with things. And then it's eventually he's he has his fun and then he hacks the satellite. I think he's yeah. just doing it for that reason. I think it's so funny. It's so good. Here, here's the thing. Um, like Gus is kind of a bad guy. Like Gus is a bad guy. He's a he's bad doing guy so the stuff. Yeah, he's doing like the stuff that Webster wants him to do. So he's a bad guy. But we need to like him. We need we do to like watch him. and we need to like him. So he does stuff like this every time he's on screen. I like him, even though he's like supposed to be the bad guy. And that's going to, you know, we're, we're, we need to do that. We need to feel that as this movie's going on so that we don't hate him at the end of the movie. Um, so I think it's great. I think this is like, uh, even though it's like something that doesn't quite fit in the movie, it's like another one of those episodes that's not quite in the movie. It's so great. And I love it. Yeah. You definitely need Richard Pryor in this role for it to yeah. work the way it does. Like, um, yeah. I'll shout out again to Brewster's Millions. Like, another character that I could see playing this exact role is John Candy. He could have been the mm-hmm. same character. You need, like, the, the 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 lovable, goofy guy who, yeah, if he's doing things that are bad, you kind of don't look at him, you know, in a bad light. Like, you're, you're accepting yeah. of it because he's such a lovable character. And Pryor's just owning that in this movie. He's so goofy and, like, bubbly. Yeah. And, like, th- at any point in this movie... You just want to reach out and hug him because he's being so fun. So, yeah, he's doing these bad things. He's, like, working for the bad guy. But you don't get the vibe that he's a bad guy. He's just, like, this larger-than-life character who's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's not an evil mastermind. He is a screw-up. He's sort of a screw-up. He went to this big hacking job, and he got drunk before. (laughs) Like, he's just, he's not really a mastermind. You know, he's not, like, thinking every moment through. He's just doing stuff. Yeah. That's great. Now, we get a really great location here dean it looks like we're at a beautiful ski resort in the alps and it turns out to be the roof of webster's building i love it 
I read they brought in something like 17 tons of salt to make this set. Wow. Wow. And then I started thinking, what do you do with all the salt after? That's Margaritas. a giant waste of salt. <laughs> Margaritas. Margaritas. That's a great idea. Yeah. The wrap parties, margaritas. Exactly, exactly. Just come out with your cups and dip them in the ground. <laughs> Whoa, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. Now I want a margarita. <laughs> uh, loved it. Just so, so, so great. The, the way that they reveal it, like they make you think you are in like an at a ski resort. And For sure, yeah. Eventually what happens is like Gus ends up getting some skis on and actually skis off the side of the building. And then you see him falling like through Metropolis down to the ground. So I was so fooled. I was like, this is such a cool looking set. Totally. I really loved Great it. Set. But, yeah. But we learn uh, back on, on top of the roof, we learn why Webster wants Gus to hack the satellite. And it's because Webster is a coffee bean mogul mm-hmm. and the Colombians won't play ball with him so he needs the weather satellites to destroy their crops. And that's what Gus does here. He sends a tornado and extreme rains to Columbia. And Gus reports back to Mr. Webster. That's what he's he's doing here. He's come back mm-hmm. to report on the rooftop. And he explains that, unfortunately, Superman has stopped the plan. Now, this was very, very weird, I thought. Because as Gus is explaining that Superman thwarted his plan, they show us clips of how Superman did it as Gus is explaining it. Now, we've never seen anything like this before in a Superman movie. Superman has always been like reactive to a situation. So someone will scream, he'll hear something, he'll see something, he goes and he does it. This was a little bit off-putting that just as Gus is kind of explaining... We get these, I think we got three different cuts of like Superman doing this, then Superman doing that, then Superman doing another thing. Yeah. It didn't really fit in the movie for me. This is the only thing that didn't fit. Interesting. Yeah, I get I get your angle on this. Um, I liked it. I liked I didn't mind it. I it's just didn't, yeah. it didn't feel normal for me. Totally. Yeah, and I think it's I think I liked it because we always do see Superman just react and do it. So, like, in the first movie when he's, like, repairing the fault line, that was, like, some things that we didn't really enjoy watching so much, you know? It's, like, when he, like, reacted and went and, like, repaired the fault line, it was, you know, it's, like, you kind of know what's going to happen. You kind of know what he's going to do and that he's going to be able to fix everything. So, I liked that it happened, that we saw the weather, we saw the bad things the weather was doing, and then we just cut to, like, the villain thinking he won and Gus showing up and be like, nah, haven't you seen? Like, haven't you seen on TV? Superman already saved everyone. And then we cut back and see it. I just thought it was like a, it was a nice change of pace of how we usually see what Superman does. But like, you're right. Like it's, it's exactly, that's exactly the reason why, you know, it's, it's weird is because it's not what we usually see. Yeah. We don't normally see like a person explaining yeah. what Superman has done and then yeah, cutting yeah. to him doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, was, I don't know. It's just Whatever. another thing in this movie that makes it a weird movie. Like it's just weird. Weird, but lovable. Of course. I, it was an endearing moment in the movie for that yeah. weird reason. Yeah. So Webster doesn't like that Superman got involved with his coffee. So he needs a way of stopping Superman. And Webster's crew here, it's like a trio, 
and they start to come into play a little bit more here. And you have already said you didn't appreciate these two women in the movie. I mm-hmm. kind of liked them. You have the two sisters. You have Vera and Lorelai. And Vera, dude, she really reminded me of Mindy Sterling playing Frau Farbizna in Austin Powers. She was like, For sure. I feel like they, yeah. they stole that. I feel like they based yeah. that character off of this performance. Yeah. So I liked, I kind of liked her for that. She's like the bossy, like, we need to do this right now. And this has to happen. And then you have her younger sister, her counterpart, her counterpoint here, Lorelai, this like ex- very sexy blonde bombshell. Um, and I get that you might not like that, but what they do a little bit with her character later on is that they show you she's only pretending to be dumb. She's actually very intelligent. This is whole dumb thing, this dumb blonde thing is just her act. So for that reason, I liked it. If if she was just the dumb blonde, I don't like it as much, even though I did like Tess Mocker. But I like that she's smart and playing up that role. Yeah, so the only thing I don't like about it, Tim, I agree with you. It's good that she's smart. The thing I don't like is that it's played for laughs. When she makes comments that are, at least at first, when she makes comments about being smart, it's like played off as like, huh, how could she have ever been smart? She's sexy. And so that's why where it's like, okay, her character's okay, but the movie seems to think that she's not. You know, the movie th- seems to think that she's funny because she's sexy and possibly smart. So yeah, I don't I don't know. It, 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 threw, it threw me off a bit. Yeah, I get you. I mean, I, I can understand yeah. that. Like it is... Yeah. It is. It's halfway there to like the. 80, it's halfway there. It's yeah. halfway there to the '80s trope, but I feel like for the '80s to get it half right, I think is, is a good thing for them. Yeah, there's a point. There's a point at the end of the movie where like, Richard Pryor asks, like Gus asks, "How are the ladies?" Like he doesn't even know their names. Like the one of the main characters in the movie doesn't even know the names of the women, and that's where I'm like, yeah, this movie doesn't really care too much about those two women. It's more just to make them fight with each other. Um. But yeah, there's there's points in there, like the things you're picking out are the good things about them. They're the good things about the characters that need to be like leaned into. And if they were a little bit, you know, like if the if it's sort of like, a, like if the movie knew that those were good things about it, about those characters, uh, yeah, then it could it could have been it could have been good. They could have been good characters. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. They could have yeah. leaned in a little bit more to that. Um, yeah, I thought Vera was fine though. Like I don't think she was done wrong in any way. She was like a powerful. You yeah, know, like I just dictate a woman. Yeah, I think it's just that they they were always fighting. I think that was kind of like so. If if you're one way, you can't like you're fighting with anyone who's something different than you. You know, any anyone who's the other way, you're fighting with. So that I think that was the problem. The two women, their only interactions were fighting with each other. I like that though because they're sisters and they're so different from each other that they would that that seemed accurate. Yeah, it it yeah. tracks. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Um, I mean, Lorelai is clearly in this movie to take the place of Miss Tessmacher. Like, yeah, I mean, they, and they she, clear, she's sexy. She is. She's super sexy. Yeah. This is clearly a, something they want to have in the movies. You know, they want to have a For very sure. sexy yeah. woman, very attractive woman. And it works. I mean, she's gorgeous. Um, yeah. I just thought it was a really fun trio of villainy. Like, I, I liked it. Just yeah. their dynamic. You know, Webster, Vera and Lorelai was a really fun dynamic. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that they knew they had something with Hackman and Tess Mocker and that they tried to keep that. They tried yeah, to totally. make something like that in the movie. So while it wasn't as good as, as you know, Hack, uh, Hackman and, and or, uh, Lex Luthor and Tess Mocker, 
they didn't just abandon that and try something new. They tried to capture that, and I thought they did an okay job, and I appreciate them including like this villainy in the movie. Yeah, you you are totally right though. Like just because it, it's of its time, we got to think it's in the eighties. Eighties do like a poor job of these characters. At least they did make her smart. It's just they didn't quite deal with it. You know, they didn't quite unravel it the right way. But you're right. That is an uh, that is a plus up. You know, that's already already better than a lot of movies in the eighties. So uh, uh, yeah, you're right on that one. Yeah, like as it turns out here, Lorelai is the one who knows about kryptonite, right? Yeah, Webster's looking for a way to stop Superman. And Lorelai's like, hey, I've heard of this thing called kryptonite, right? So now they need to get some of that kryptonite. But how are they going to get kryptonite, Dean? I don't know. I don't know, Tim. I know. Let me tell you how, Dean. Please tell me. It's Let so, me know. It's so obvious Yeah. Okay. how you would get kryptonite in this movie. Okay. Yeah. Gus uses his computer, of course. Of course. Yeah. He points a satellite towards outer space and picks up the chemical properties of kryptonite. Mm -hmm. He got all of the properties except one, which is being shown on the computer as an unknown property. Mm -hmm. So Gus, not wanting to let Webster down, looks at his cigarettes and enters tar as the last property. Great. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I love Gus. Webster's Webster gets his lab to go ahead and create synthetic kryptonite. But what exactly will 0.57% of tar instead of the unknown substance in kryptonite do to this synthetic kryptonite? We'll have to Tim? see, Dean. We'll have to see. Yeah. No spoilers. I don't we'll know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't know what it will do. All I know is that smoking is bad. Yeah. That's all I know. I think so, I think his cardio is going to be worse. That yeah, exactly. I don't think he's going to be able to run for as long. He's not going to be able to fly for as long. He's going to get a little tired and start coughing. I think so. Gus dresses up as an army general and offers the kryptonite to Superman as a gift from so the, from the US Army for his work that we saw previously in this movie where he stops a disaster at a chemical plant. Yeah, yeah, totally. So Superman accepts, and I assume he only accepts because he's not feeling any negative effects from the kryptonite because it looks just like a chunk of kryptonite. Like if That's I was what Superman, it looks like. I would have been so far away from this situation, but I guess he just doesn't feel what kryptonite normally does to him. So he's like, okay, I accept your gift of whatever this is, which is not kryptonite. Yeah, it would have been a little bit better if it wasn't just a chunk of kryptonite. If it was like... Ooh, would have been a, way better. Yeah, if it was just like a ring or something that had kryptonite on it. Like or metal, something like that where something. he just like... It was, he gave him a chunk of kryptonite and yeah. it looks exactly like it. Yeah, that didn't work for me. No. And this scene was really weird. This scene was just to have Pryor do his thing. Like do yes. a character, basically. Yeah. And he was great at it, but it just was like, what is happening in the movie right now? Why is Pryor doing this? Now, with nothing happening to Superman, like no negative effects, Gus calls Webster back and lets him know it didn't work. Didn't work. And I love Webster's response of pure disgust to this phone call. Yeah. He says, he didn't die? 
I ask you to kill Superman, and you're telling me you couldn't do that one simple thing? And then he drops the phone out of his hand. He's so upset. What? You, it's Superman. He sent Gus to kill Superman and is disgusted that Gus couldn't do it. It's so great. It's so great. And their plan is so, like, wild. Like, their plan is so crazy and kind of so genius to be able to figure out where pieces of Krypton would be in the air because calculating, you know, where it blew up and how much time that was ago and where pieces of it would be and then pointing a satellite at it and getting all of the properties of a piece of it and then recreating that. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what were the chances that that was going to work? He's like, what? You're telling me you couldn't do this simple task of killing Superman? <laughs> it's wild. I, I love it. Love I loved it. Under no circumstances, it. like especially this one, because this whole yeah. scenario is so obscure. But yeah. under, I think, no circumstances could this line ever be delivered believably. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's Superman. Of course. You can't kill him. Like, you Who's can't kill him. Killing him. Like, not even the the baddest of bad guys, you know? Yeah. Well, okay, I mean, like, whatever, fine. Doomsday killed him. I don't want I don't want to get angry Tim emails Sup- here. Look, do I understand Tim, Superman died in the I realize in the Superman Doomsday killed Superman. I know he killed him yeah. in Batman v Superman, okay? I'm a nerd as well. I understand these things happen. Please don't send emails. I'm just saying, look, this is absurd that you'd expect your minion to ever kill Superman. Your computer programmer to kill Superman. Gus Gorman. Gus Gorman. What? You couldn't kill Superman? You sold $85,000 for me and you couldn't kill Superman? You couldn't do that one what? simple thing? Simple. It's simple. Now, Dean, Superman is at Lana Lang's house and it looks like he's not feeling so well. Lana gets a call that there's an emergency at a bridge, but Superman thinks they should just hang out for a bit first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, don't worry. I always get there on time. Yeah. Let's chill. He's also like, how are you doing? Yeah. How are you doing? You want to chill how for a bit? Doing? Yeah. Hey, you want to chill? You want to join me over here on the couch, Lana? Should we throw on, should we throw on a movie? Yeah. You chill? Disasters. I'll always yeah. make it in time to the disaster. Don't so tar Tim, tar in the Krypton makes tar you horny, ma- makes you sexy, it makes you sexy, <laughs> it makes guy. you sexy and horny, makes you ready for sexy time. <laughs> yeah, tar. Hey, shout out to tar. Shout out to tar for making you sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, need some more tar in my life. I think. Yeah, I mean, smoking hey, is sexy. It's who's not good for me? you, but it's sexy. Who, who needs more tar in their life? <laughs> I don't know. Send us an email, talkbackpod at gmail.com. Do you need more tar in your life? Maybe. Maybe you need less I tar. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, send us an email if you need. Just send us an email. I don't care why. Just send us an email. <laughs> it can be about anything. At this point, anything. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> um, Superman, Superman seems to snap out of his haze here, and right. he rushes off to the bridge. But he gets there too late. He doesn't mm. always make it on time. He's late. Nope. And he can't prevent the accident. Right. Oh, no. Then Superman flies to Italy, Dean. 
and he straightens out the leaning tower of Pisa. I don't think he understands. Seems like a good deed. I don't know. I don't think he, I don't. It's maybe, but I don't think he gets it. I think it. that thing, I think that tower is falling over. Like, I think that's a problem with the tower. It might fall over someday. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's being an a-hole. I think he is, but I was very confused because it also seems like he kind of saved this tower. Like oh, he gave no, it I don't, many not, more years. That's not falling over. It's like, it's leaning. Because the ground is sinking. I don't know. It wasn't made to lean. It wasn't made to lean, Tim. It was made straight and the ground is sinking and it's leaning. Maybe it's stable now, though. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Have you heard problems anyway, with it lately? What it does do, though, is it, it, makes a, it makes a little shop owner that sells towers that are leaning, little, little replica towers of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it makes all his towers useless. Yeah, he gets very frustrated by that. He gets mad and smashes them all. And for some reason... This part of the movie really stuck out in my head. And I think it's because I must have turned on the TV oh, to this movie when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. And watched this part and been like, what's going on? Why did Superman do that? Because I really, really remembered this part, but I didn't remember anything else in the movie. But I remembered seeing this. So yeah, I think I cool. just like turned on the TV to this part. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so after that, though, Dean, Superman, he goes to the Olympics, and he blows out the Olympic flame. Oh, my goodness. That was hilarious. <laughs> I think something's wrong with Superman. That was so funny, though. The way they built up, how long they've been carrying that flame, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, he's going to blow it out. This is amazing. He blew it out. What a what a bastard. It's a seven-day marathon that um, yeah. they keep handing off the torch, like one yes. runner to another. Um, from like hundreds of miles away and then they finally the last runner finally gets to the olympic flame and lights it with the yeah. torch and just before he can light that big flame superman blows it out and he blows it out. everybody's just like looking around like huh what great what do we do now and like he's not hiding it like he's there and he like mugs to everyone he like looks at everyone and then he flies away yeah so with superman no longer helping the world and I might add, sporting an amazing five o'clock shadow. It's great. He looks good. Yeah. Webster wants Gus to shut down all of the oil rigs in the world with Superman doing his different thing now. Yeah. Now, uh, can, I, can I also, Tim, point out that his costume is a little bit darker, too? Oh, I didn't it notice It looks really that. cool. I like that. Yeah, nice, it nice. looks really cool. It's what you would just cool. have the costume of Superman like now because they like to make these, you know, dark a little bit darker movies. But it's so bright in before that. Now yeah. it's a little bit toned down and dark. It looks really cool. Very nice. Nice call out. Very I comic was, booky thing. Yeah, I was only paying attention to his uh, five o'clock shadow. So I missed that. It's, yeah, it's good. He, he looks pretty good. Yeah, I think it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. So Gus thinks shutting down all the oil rigs, that's a really big deal. And he wants a bigger piece of the pie now. He wants Webster to fund the creation of his idea for a supercomputer. And Webster loves this idea. It's a great like, idea. A supercomputer? Why didn't you say so? The explanation he of this computer is another one of my favorite parts of the movie. He wants. He pulls out all these scrap pieces of paper that he's just doodled things on. And he says, yeah, I want you to make this computer. And then Webster's like, what'll it do? And he says, 
anything I want it to. Yep. <laughs> His computer can now do anything. Yep. Anything he wants. He's going to build the computer that can do anything. And he's got it like sketched out on probably 12 different pieces of paper. Some of them are paper. Some of them are like yeah. napkins. And he just yeah. kind of like pieces them all together like a puzzle. And he's like, this is what it is. This is the computer. It'll do anything. So now anytime from here on out, if the movie is confusing to me, I just know the computer did it because it can do anything. Yes. It can do anything. So when, so something's about like, some things are about to happen where it's like, it's not going to make any sense. You can just blame it on the computer. We haven't touched on this yet, but um, the original idea for Superman three was to have Brainiac as the main villain, but they didn't go that route because my goodness, like their, their story for that was absurd. It was just absurd. If you want to look, look more into that, just, you know, search that on Google. Very, very bizarre. Supergirl was going to be involved. Um, Brainiac, another villain. uh, I don't know. Who's the villain who has like, his name is like Mr. YZTKZZ something or other. It's like, you can't even read his name. It's like, too many consonants in a row do you know who this is oh, it's like, it's supposed no, to be a super i don't know a, a superman, superman very well i haven't read a lot of superman me, me neither it's like uh he's got a weird name you can't even read it because there's no vowels right but it's like okay yeah eight, weird. eight or nine characters long anyways he was supposed to be in it um and the the production company shut it down they're like we're not doing that That's, okay that would have been a terrible movie this is this is yeah way way better but i like that they kind of kept the whole computer aspect of Brainiac just without like the brain behind it. They almost yeah. like they take the brain out of the computer and they make the brain Gus Gorman. And then his computer, it's like a team. I thought it was a great yeah. way to, to do that totally. without doing Brainiac. I was wondering as the movie was going along, I was like, are they going to make Gus Brainiac? Like I actually thought that that oh, yeah. was what was going to happen in the movie. I thought that that's where we were going. Um, So yeah, that they, they definitely kept that spirit alive for sure. Now, Lana Lang, Dean, is fed up with living in Smallville, and she decides to take a trip to Metropolis. When she gets there, she finds Superman getting wasted in a bar. (laughs) He's drinking beer. He's doing shots. It's drunk Superman. It's drunk Superman. Yeah, this was all shot. This was all shot in Calgary. All of, like, most of the city stuff was shot in Calgary. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, when he flies off, you can see the uh, Calgary Tower in the distance. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, shout out to uh, Calgary. Yeah. Now, uh, Dean, I like this new Superman. Um, Of course. I'm kind of into him. He's already had sex by this point, too. Oh, my goodness. Lorelai seduced him. (laughs) Yeah, he's so horny, and he also just has had sex. So now there's two Superman movies in a row where he's gotten laid. Two Superman movies in a row, Tim. Well, this is the first one where he gets laid as Superman. That the last hey, one that's he relinquished true. his powers and then and then. Oh, had sex. that's true. Yeah. So wow, interesting. Yeah, we thought maybe he had to relinquish his powers because he would be too strong yes. during sex. Yes. But I don't know. Lorelai Lorelai was fine with it. Yeah. So <laughs> very funny scene. Lana's boy Ricky sees poor drunk Superman. And he starts screaming at him, saying, he's just sick. He's in a slump. He'll pull out of it. <laughs> he's in a slump. He's in a slump. You're just in a slump, You're Superman. in a slump, Superman. <laughs> this appears to really get through to Superman, though. 
as it he's works, flying. Man. It works. Superman, he lands in a car wrecking yard <laughs> and lets out this epic scream. And then primal. We see, it was primal. Then we see Clark Kent walk out of Superman's body and the two look at each other. Dean, what did you think of this reveal? I had no idea what was going on. This is where I blamed it on the computer. I was like, oh, the computer must have done this. The computer oh, must okay. have split them up. No, this is the kryptonite. This is the tar. The tar split. Okay, this is, oh, this is what smoking will do to you. Clark Kent separates. So you got bad Superman and you got Clark Kent. And you just like have two physical people. Like I thought for a second it was just like a projection and, you know, it was like going to be not really real. But these are now two physical people. You somehow, you now have Clark Kent and Superman. So at first I was like, I have no idea how this happened, but the scene is so great to watch Clark Kent fighting Superman. It's like what we want to see. It's the visualization of this internal struggle that's going on between him trying to break out and the evil Superman taking over. It's perfect. It's actually perfect. I love the scene, even though it makes no sense why it happened. But in a movie where we're just watching it, it's that it's the visual struggle. Like, that's how they can show us what's going on inside of them. So I loved it. I thought it was great. This is the first time that the idea of evil Superman has ever been explored. So shout out to Superman 3 for coming up with this idea. Great. Very cool. Superman punches Clark and we get some Superman v. Superman action. It's amazing. And it's amazing. I would say for a movie that has pretty bad special effects, they did an amazing job with this fight scene. With these two it's, of the same people yeah. fighting each other, it's great. It's excellent. There's like one or two moments where it's really hard for them to accomplish what they want to do, but that is a long fight. It is a very long fight between yeah. the two of these people. So to just have two or three moments of that is incredible. Like it, it is, it looks great. It looks great. Yeah. Uh, Clark gets caught in a, in the car crusher, Dean. <laughs> That's a big problem, Tim. That's what I've learned from movies. Car crushers, big problem. Stay out of those wreck yards. Dude, this was one of the scenes that I loved as a kid. I yes. loved it. It reminded me of the garbage disposal scene in A New Hope. Totally. Yep. Exactly. So similar. Well, another scene I loved. Like, that was one of my favorite yeah, scenes in that movie. Of course. I guess I was fascinated with people being crushed by machines, Dean. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge fear, right? Like, you have you have no way out. The thing right. is just slowly coming in on you and crushing you. So you, you actually have moments to be afraid. Yeah. before it crushes you like it's not right. like being shot with a gun where you're just dead right away you hear the you hear the sound and you're dead the crushing is like you're trying to get out you know you're you have all these moments of fear and uh, yeah that is the same with me i just felt like crushing stuff was like my biggest fear yeah yeah i guess you have time to panic right the, the, you have time to panic the, yeah the so then any time sets in yeah, and it's like a claustrophobic thing too, right? Oh, yeah, so yeah. if you have any sense of being claustrophobic, it is also going to make you feel very uneasy, which I think I have. I think I get afraid when I'm in a tight space, so like crushing just oof, gives me gives me the shivers. Mm. Uh, Clark easily bursts out of the crusher though, and then he throws six tires to trap Superman. <laughs> uh, this was so what? fucking weird. This part was weird. What? What? That's what I said as it was happening. I I said out loud, "What? What? He's he's got his he Clark still has the Superman powers. 
He rapid fires six tires that fall onto Superman, evil Superman's body, and like are supposed to trap him. You got him. He can't move. Got him. Good job. Tires. What? So then I'm like, he can just break out of those tires, right? And then he does. And you're like, oh, okay. So why? He could do anything. He could burst out. He could fly out. He could melt them. Hit him with those tires in the face. It would have done more damage. This made no sense. No sense. It's so weird. I have no idea why they even put this in the movie. That's how you trap a petty thug. You throw tires on him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, listen, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, It's a great, like, back and forth, blow for blow battle between these two. Mm -hmm. Clark ends up winning. He chokes evil Superman until evil Superman disappears. And Clark becomes whole once again. And cue the Superman music. Yes. Okay. Cue the Superman music is hilarious. Because at this moment, the movie, like we haven't really heard the Superman music a lot. So the movie right now is just like fist pumping in triumph. It's just like, we have done it. We are doing it. We are making the best movie right now. It's just, it's it's so funny because it's been so like weird up to this point. And then we just had a fight between the two Supermans, evil and good, which I always love that. Like, I think I just, I always love that in video games. I always love that in movies when you have to fight yourself. It's like, it's the biggest challenge. You have to fight yourself. It's just one of my, yeah, it's one, one of the things I really love. So I'm super pumped that this happened. And then the movie's just like, yep. Superman music, cue it. We are crushing this movie. And it just, it gets you excited. Yeah, that's a great trope, fighting yourself. and It's I do, so good. I do think this is the first time in the movie you we hear that music. Okay. And that's why it's so, like, shocking. You know, yeah. it's just like, I hear it and I'm like, I kind of laughed, though, because it seems like the movie's triumphant at this moment. It's like, we are doing a great job right now. And they are. They, sure they are, are, but also, it's so strange. <laughs> That fits right in with this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Superman is after Webster now, and he heads to their base in the Grand Canyon where their supercomputer has been assembled. And wow, dude, what a supercomputer this is. It's really amazing that a couple of weeks ago, Gus didn't even know how to computer program. <laughs> yeah. And now he's created his very own supercomputer. He's a protege. <laughs> he sure is. Great scene as Superman's approaching the base and they start shooting missiles at him. And Webster's screen turns into a video game where he's trying to target and shoot Superman with the missiles and he's getting points. It's points. For hitting him and coming close. Like it looks like a Superman video game. It looks like he's yes. playing a video game. Yes. So this it's Tim, amazing. This is amazing. It's amazing, but this is where I'm like, is this a satire? Like this is an, you've already, this is amazing. You've already mentioned this. And this is exactly what I'm thinking at this point. Is this Austin Powers? Like, is this an Austin Powers movie? Like that would be so fitting in a movie that is a satire. And then in this movie, that's so goofy. It's like, you're just sitting there and you're like, what is going on? Why did the computer turn this into a video game? What I think happened was I think, I think they utilized like live action footage on the screen and it didn't look real enough. So they just decided yeah, yeah. to like go full video game with it. Yeah. But yeah. like it looked like a super fun Superman video game. Man, 
It was course. so weird. It was so weird yeah, just to see it was them. So weird. He was Webster was basically playing a Superman video game, but yeah, we all know missiles aren't going to stop Superman. So he makes nah. his way past the video game. He makes his way closer to the supercomputer, but when he gets there, the defense system of the computer blasts him with a kryptonite beam, and it's killing him. Yeah, the computer was able to make kryptonite because it's so smart. It was able to know what your weakness is and just be able to make that and hit you with it. So while they couldn't make the Krypton before, they can do it now. It figured out that Tar wasn't the unknown property. It figured out what the real property was. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't know. Did they say? Yeah, I I was trying to think, what is it? I don't remember the unknown. It was either fear, hate, or anger, or all three. Right. Yeah, yeah. They didn't want to actually say in the movie because then we would go out and make it. Then we'd make it. That's right. That's a a great point, actually. And we'd be able to terrorize the people that we know from Krypton. That's very true. Yeah. That's a a very good point, Dean. Yeah. You can't just have the the ingredients to kryptonite floating around like that. No, you can't do that. Yeah. That has to stay with the movie company. Only they (laughs) can know it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dean, I liked this. Gus and Lorelai are having second thoughts about what they're doing here because they don't actually want Superman to die. Yeah. You know, so Gus steps up, he shuts the computer down and punches out Webster. Cool. Yeah, we think we're we think we're good here. Mm-hmm. But the computer somehow turns itself back on and puts the ray back on Superman. And I guess the computer has somehow, you know, become self-aware and it wants to live and it's found a new way to power itself. It's draining energy from all over the United States. And I thought this was a nice touch actually that like the initial shutdown of the computer didn't work. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I thought it tracked with how they portrayed computers in the movie up to this point. It makes sense that making one this big and this powerful would be intelligent. So I, I did like that. And this is like the closest thing you get to Brainiac, uh, to Brainiac in the movie is like this, this mega supercomputer that's sort of like making its own decisions. Yeah. I, I had a problem when I was watching it, but after sort of, we talked at the beginning of this episode saying that like it's 83, what do they, what do they really know about computers? I'm more on board with it that like a sentient computer could turn it, could reach out for power, like could turn itself back on and reach out for electricity to keep itself running. When really at first I was like, if it's off, it's off. Like it doesn't matter if it can think, it doesn't matter if it's sentient, it's off. (laughs) It's got no power. So it actually can't do anything. But I like that now that that's the next level, you know, in this movie that in in 83, the next level is actually that it can grab power from somewhere. It can find these electricity lines and draw it in. It's actually pretty smart and cool for 83. It really is. Now it sounds stupid. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It really is. Yeah. So Gus hits the kryptonite ray now until it stops. And then he gets blasted by the computer. The computer grabs Vera and sucks her in and then fuses metallic parts onto her body until she becomes a robot acting as a physical vessel for the computer. Now, this was the most striking moment for me in the movie on this watch because this absolutely terrified me as a child. Totally. This It was the part, and this is going to sound weird, but like the computer grabs her 
and mm-hmm. sucks her kind of into the walls and then starts like placing metal on her. It wasn't even her metal form that terrified me. It was something about the computer grabbing her and pulling her into the walls, like into the computer itself. I don't know what it was. It was just a reaction as like a seven or eight year old boy to this moment. But I was, do you ever have these moments where like you have a memory, like a, um, a fading memory and you don't know what it's from. And then you'll see something and you're like, that's what that memory was from. Like I knew that I had seen this before. I knew that it it scared me, but I had no idea what movie it was from, what scene even happened. But I just knew that this was something that, you know, troubled me as a child. So seeing it again, I was like, oh, this was it. I was so scared at this moment. Yes. Um, I loved it. I loved like, I was just invigorated at that moment. Just like learning a little, like this sort of like piece of nostalgia that, I was yeah. linked to from my childhood. I thought it was very, very cool. It happens every once in a while with movies that I see. I'm like, oh, that's where I remember that from. And this was a moment because I haven't seen this movie since I was, you know, probably eight years old. So it's been forever, yeah. but I watched it several times back then. So this was just a very, very like impactful moment for me in the movie. Those are amazing moments, Tim. Like, I, I love when that happens. I always think that they're nightmares I've had when I was a kid. Yeah, and totally. And that, like, that don't exist. And then when you see them in a movie that you watch, it just floods back. And you're like, oh, my goodness. This is what it was from. And for me, I didn't, like, really watch those movies. But I would, like, sort of sneak in a little bit of a watch when you or or older brother was watching. I'd kind of, like, peek around the corner and watch a little bit. So this happened to me very recently with Nightmare on Elm Street 4. There were like four or five things in that movie that I was just flooded back to me where I was like, this was a nightmare I thought I had. I thought I had this (laughs) nightmare as a kid and it was from this movie. I must have like watched older brother watch it because he was into those. I must have snuck and watched a couple scenes and those moments just like, oh, they really hit you. So that I love that this was your moment because it is creepy. It was creepy for me now seeing it for the first time. It, it, it's it's a lot in the eyes. You know, her eyes kind of turn all white and foggy. And like, it looks like I called her like a computer zombie. Like she looks like she's going to, she's kind of a zombie now. She's like made with computer parts, but sort of a zombie. It's scary stuff for definitely for a kid. I, I like that that's your, your nightmare fuel. Yeah. And it was weird. It wasn't her. It was specifically her being pulled into the computer, like not even, not even the robot itself, just being pulled in. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but yeah, it it definitely, definitely had nightmares around that one. But, um, Superman, he easily beats this robot Vera. Like she's nothing to him. Then the computer tries to turn him into the robot. So the computer starts to grab him and pull him into the walls, which was amazing. So good. But somehow, Dean, during all this action that's been going on, he was able to fly off, grab a vial of acid from that chemical plant that he saved earlier. Right. He's got it on him as he's being pulled into this computer. The acid starts to heat up. It sprays everywhere and destroys the supercomputer. Superman high fives Gus, (laughs) flies him back to the city while Webster, Vera, and Lorelai are arrested. And Clark heads back to the Daily Planet. He's apparently back from covering his Smallville reunion now. And he's gotten Lana a job at the Daily Planet, which is cool. 
Clark takes off, turns into Superman. He flies back to Italy to lean the tower back the way it was. <laughs> Is he back to evil? Tim? Is he back to evil? He's pushing the tower over. <laughs> he flies out into orbit and the end. Cool. Yeah, great. Um, I definitely thought when he pushed the tower over, I'm like, no, I think he's putting it back to worse. I think it's I think it's not Dean, good. I think it's going to sink now. Nobody's going to Pisa to look at a tower yeah. that's straight up. Okay, that's They're true. only that's going true. if yeah. it's leaning. That's true. So we're talking that's about the, true. we're talking about the tourist industry here. Yeah. He destroys it by putting it upright and he fixes it by leaning it again. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All's, for the tour- all's good tourist by the tourist industry. That's true. Yeah. He put it back to where it should be. Um, cool. I uh, I had fun. I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, you mentioned when we get back to, uh, you know, when, when we get back to Metropolis um, and Kent goes back into the into the office, we get to see everyone that we just saw at the beginning of the movie. And they, they yeah. weren't in the movie a lot. Like Lois Lane, not in the movie a lot. Perry White, not in the movie a lot. Um, but they were really good. Like they just like, they still didn't give it just half ass effort. No, I think true. that they did an excellent job in the movie, even though they were in it for like five to 10 minutes, every time they were on screen, it was good. Like they were good in their character. So I appreciated that. Um, even though that, you know, they were not really featured in the movie at all. I appreciated them giving a hundred percent in their scenes. Yep. Agreed. Uh, another back to the future connection, Jimmy Olsen. Was in Back to the Future. Yes. He's the okay, brother. Yes. He's his brother. He's his brother. Yes. 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 Works at Dairy Queen. Is that right? <laughs> I guess so. Sure. Yeah. Sure, Burger yes. King, maybe. I don't know. It's a sure. fast food place he works at. Sure. Sounds good. I loved the movie. I loved watching it. To be honest with you, I think out of the three, I could see myself watching this one next. If I'm going to watch yep. any of them again, it's going to be this one. It was so much fun. Uh, it's not like it's not all that serious, whereas one and two were pretty serious. For sure. It's got all the fun that one and two had, but it doesn't take itself seriously, but it doesn't fail by doing that. It still succeeds yeah. in what it's trying to do. There's just something really strange about this movie. It doesn't really like again, like like. I want to put it back to Jaws 3. Like, this really reminds me of, like, the vibe of Jaws 3. It's this movie that doesn't really make sense. I don't know why I like it, but I have so much fun watching it, and I just want to keep watching it. It's it's very aligned with that, and that's what what I took from this. I really recommend anybody just checking this out. I thought it was a lot of fun. Obviously, you know, get your notions of, like, it being a good movie out of the way up front. Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. great, but it's fun. It's a fun, pleasant movie. Yeah. You're, I love your comparison to Jaws 3. It's so perfect. It's like I said at the top of the show, if if someone came up to me and they were like, I hate Superman 3, I'd be like, yep, I get it. I get you. And then if someone came up to me and they're like, Superman 3 is my favorite Superman movie, I'd be like, yep, okay, I get you. you yeah, know, like exactly. It's just, it's that weird. You know, it's just like, it's just so strange. I had a great time um it's going to be interesting if we get to ranking these where this one will fall because it's like one of those movies where it's like you kind of know that it's like a little bit messy and it's all over the place but also it's so fun to watch it's the you're right it's the next one i want to watch i i I just enjoyed it that much um so yeah it's a it's a good movie it's a jaws three 
for sure. That is exactly what it is. Cool. Well, everybody, if you'd like more content from Talking Back, check us out on Patreon. You can help support us for as little as $2 a month. Now, if that's not your thing, you can also support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. And also, please be sure to check out all of the other podcasts in our network by going over to bfopnetwork.com. Lots of great podcasts over there. We're regular listeners. We think you should check it out as well. Dean, thank you for joining. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. Heyo. And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the episode, everybody. We wanted to let you know if you'd like to show your support for Talking Back, then please check out our Patreon page where you can join one of our membership tiers and unlock bonus episodes and more each and every month. Or you can check out our page at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back where you can make a one-time donation of any amount or feel free to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. All three options are great ways to show your support for the show. That's it. We're done.